Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games that I've played recently. This episode will be the first entry in the Lazy Sunday series, where I discuss indie games that can be completed in five hours or less. My guest today is a friend of the show and climbing safety enthusiast, Jake Anderson. Hey, Jake. Hello. Good to have you, man. Yeah, good to be here. And today's game is Firewatch, which is an adventure walking sim about a national park fire lookout developed by Campo Santo and published by Campo Santo and Panic, first released in 2016 and available on most modern platforms. But before we get into Firewatch, uh, let's have a little chat. Uh, so, Jake, what have you been playing lately other than Firewatch? Yeah, other than replaying that to refresh my memory before doing the show here. Um, I recently got myself a Switch Lite, so I've been playing a lot on that. Mainly Baldur's Gate, which the re-release on Switch is surprisingly amazing. They figured out an amazing control scheme for what would you think a game that you would think only works, you know, point and click mouse style. It is awesome on Switch, honestly. And then also Death's Gambit, the new Afterlife update, and I've been loving both of those. Yeah, I was playing, I actually finished Death's Gambit a, a couple days ago. That was incredible. I just devoured that. Um, I, I love, I loved how it hit both the highs of Metroidvanias for me and the highs of like 2D Souls-like, which is really really difficult for me sometimes to find a game that feels good uh, in those 2D Souls-likes. For sure. I would definitely say this is one of the best in that category that um, has come out. And I do tend to be a little nicer on those. For example, I really dig Salt and Sanctuary, and I know a lot of people had issues with it, understandably. But um, Death's Gambit is definitely one of the top ones, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I was going to use Salt and Sanctuary as an example of 2D Souls-like that just did not work for me. But Death's Gambit was really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. How are you liking the Switch Lite? Um, I had like briefly considered it, but I'd play my regular Switch handheld all the time anyway, so I didn't have any real reason to get that. How do you like it? I like it a lot. Um, so my boy he has the regular switch and i've played that one handheld and honestly i like the switch light more it's just a little more comfortable for especially like longer sessions which i tend to do because wife and i'll throw something on netflix and i'll just you know game away while we watch whatever uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's really nice it's really comfortable i don't really notice that much of a difference in the screen size uh, and i wanted it for portable gaming anyways so it's kind of perfect for me Cool, cool. Yeah, with the Switch Lite, like the one of the reasons I didn't get it is because I play with like custom, not custom Joy Cons, but like you know third party Joy Cons that are bigger. Yes. Uh, yep. So that was the biggest barrier for me, where I just decided, eh, probably not. So. Yeah, I might have been able to go that way. That probably is what would have been best if I went with a regular Switch, but you know Switch Lite's cheaper. And then I got a case that kind of extends so it has better grips. Um, okay, cool. You know, kind of has little wings on it, I would say, to make it a little more comfortable to grip. And yeah. even without that, the Switch Lite 
there's a surprising difference, honestly, holding that one compared to a regular. Interesting. I've never held one. I figured it would mm-hmm. just be the same, except the Joy-Cons were connected. But it does feel different. No, I'm not sure what it is, but it does feel different. It's a little lighter. Um, and since it is a little bit smaller, you don't feel as wide. And I don't know if that contributes to it feeling better to hold. I'm not sure, but it definitely feels better in the hands to me uh, for handheld mode. Sweet, sweet. Cool. Glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. And glad you glad the Baldur's Gate thing is good on Switch. Uh, games, to me, any game that's that long, if I can play it on Switch, I, I want to. Because mm-hmm. uh, something about sitting in front of the PC for me just doesn't work for a long, long time. Like, if I'm going to play a game that's going to be 50 or more hours, I, I want it on Switch, if at all possible. Yeah, I like that too. And another thing for me is when I go back and play older games, or I guess kind of when I game in general on my PC, I get distracted a lot easier. I start doing other stuff, browsing the web and things like that, and then I don't stick with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas on the Switch, I just sit down, that's what I'm playing, and that's it. And I just I just go at it. And I would almost say for someone that maybe hasn't played like these older games like Baldur's Gate, Switch might be my preferred way to play it, period, at this point. Cool. Yeah, and if you're not playing on PC, you're not going to, you have no distractions from, you know, spending an entire day adding mods to it or something like that. Exactly. That's another problem um, that I've found with, uh, like, Bethesda's games, is it's usually better for me to get those on a console just so I don't get distracted from spending five hours modding (laughs) it, then it doesn't work and I give up and don't play it. Yeah. Or like, for me, modding is super stressful. I'm not comfortable doing mm-hmm. it. And so I actually spent, you know, an entire day modding up Fallout New Vegas and then yes. got so stressed I didn't actually start the game for a couple of months. Yep, that has absolutely happened to me, uh, specifically with New Vegas as well. And I yeah. recently went back to it and just told myself, no mods. Like, I started to look up a list, like, best mods to use. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to play it vanilla and I already got way farther than I usually do when I go back for replays. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been picking away at New Vegas for like the last six months or so. Um, and it, I don't know. I, again, I have a hard time playing really long games on PC and like mm-hmm. focusing. It's just something. I mean, it's it's like on a laptop. I don't have like a great setup for it. So I'll play. You know. Uh, t- 15 or 20 hours over the course of a couple of weeks and then I'll set it down for a couple months and I'm currently taking a break in between DLCs in New Vegas but that game rules oh yeah it's amazing um it's probably one of the first games where I ever really experienced um what's the word for it that they always use where it's just like where things happen and create a story for you um because of unexpected ways yes that's it right there. Yeah, uh, diegetic the word. stories that just happened because I didn't, when I went into it the first time, I didn't know all the systems such as faction armor and what that would entail. And I have some really fond memories of that. Like, oh, I, this NCR person is just giving me missions to do now because they think I'm a part of them. Why? And it wasn't till hours later that I realized, oh, it's because I had their armor on. They're like, oh, you recruit. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we need someone to go take care of this. Oh, hey, you're wearing our clothes. Get over here. Help us out. Exactly. Like, wait, what? Okay, sure. 
Yeah. Uh, when I played New Vegas the first time, it was on the 360 right when it released. And I got all, I think I got two New Vegas and then my 360 red ringed and I never got to finish Oof. it. And so picking it up again this year was like my kind of, I had forgotten almost everything about it. So it was, yep. it's been really, really nice to kind of experience it for the first time again. Yep. It's kind of similar to me where the most time I ever put into it was back on the PlayStation 3. Um, and I've just barely dipped my toes in every time I've tried to go back for a replay until this time where I actually am getting more into it. I'm like, God, oh, this is so good. Yeah, it's it's it really does live up to its expectation. And I'd have a hard time playing any of the other newer Fallout games uh, because of what I love so much about New Vegas. Agree. And now that Microsoft owns both Bethesda and, you know, the people behind New Vegas, who knows what could happen? Yeah. If they give them the keys to the car, I would be interested and also sad because I don't have something that can that could play a modern Fallout game that's owned by Microsoft. So that we'll is see. true. We'll if if we'll they make that, that goes. platform exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it's the age we live in. I, I mean, I feel like I already spend so much money on video game consoles and stuff, and there's still like basically half of the uh, the you know the the available stuff that's just not available to me. And seriously, oof, any anyone who has like serious FOMO about Microsoft stuff and Sony stuff and feels like you have to get all the consoles, it must be exhausting. I mean, I'm almost there. I have. I have everything except for an Xbox and a, a high-end PC, but it's I mean it's already too much to keep up with. I couldn't couldn't really imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and a high-end PC would get you both PC stuff and Xbox stuff because of how they're set up now, which is cool. Yeah. But high-end PC is, is the most expensive way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um all right, man. Let's uh let's get into uh Firewatch. Yeah. people listening if you haven't played firewatch firewatch is a walking sim and those really lean heavily on their stories so if you haven't played we're going to talk kind of briefly about like the story setup and kind of spoiler free thoughts about how we feel about it and we'll talk about the the gameplay a little bit but then there will be a spoiler wall and a spoiler section at the end of the episode where we really get into the story. So if you haven't played the game, fear not, you can still listen for a while and kind of get a feeling for what Firewatch is all about. And then 
if you want to tap out at the spoiler wall and go play the game, we understand because, uh, well, Jake came on the podcast to talk about Firewatch. I assume that uh, he thinks this is a story worth experiencing. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get started with our histories with the game and kind of talk about what got us interested in playing Firewatch and uh, when did we play it? How did we play it? Stuff like that. So, uh, Jake, what got you into Firewatch? Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny how I, I how I came into it. I had only ever played one so-called like walking sim game before uh, to completion, and that was Gone Home, which I also absolutely love. That is amazing. Um, but otherwise, no walking sims had been able to really hold my attention beyond basically one sit down like I might play for 30 45 minutes and then I just don't go back to it for whatever reason even if it did seem interesting to me but with Firewatch uh, the reason I came to it was because I love dynamic themes on PlayStation 4 when that was my console and whenever I would look up like what are the best dynamic themes uh, Firewatch always came up and I was like well I can't use it if I haven't played it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, and I had been hearing good things about it anyways and it had been kind of on my radar uh so i decided i was gonna give it a shot and it was at a time where i was actually between jobs um and i had been my wife and i had been married for less than a year at that point and basically i would just turn it on after the kids went to sleep and my wife is not a gamer but every now and then she will get into something I'm playing. Uh, if it has a good story and good character, she'll get into it and really like watching me play and get involved. And Firewatch was one of them where she just got really into it. And she would be like, are you going to play that again tonight? And I was like, I guess I am. And so that is one thing that helped me keep going back to it as opposed to other walking sims where I'd set it down and never come back. Um, I'm planning on doing that with gone home with her. Cause she hasn't seen that one. I played that one before I met her. Um, and I think she'd really enjoy it. We've done that with uh, Wolf Among Us, Telltale game, where she actually mm-hmm. made the decisions and I controlled it. And that was super fun. And then a few other things like that. She likes watching Witcher 3. She gets really into the characters and story in that one. Um, but so that's kind of what got me to it was actually, oh, it has a really good dynamic theme. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. I played it in probably just a couple nights, you know, maybe two, maybe three nights at the most um back in march of 2018 according to the save file i had when i loaded it up and it showed when i had beaten it last mm-hmm. cool i know what you mean about the dynamic theme thing i was rocking a, a ghost of tsushima dynamic theme on the ps4 for a while like way before i played that game too and i always felt kind of dirty <laughs> for it so i know what you mean yeah no, <laughs> i was always like that i i love having a playstation 5 now but that is one thing i miss yeah yeah, now that you mention it, I do miss that. The the, the mm-hmm. PS5 home screen is a, just a little bit empty. And they made a big deal of saying like, oh, you know, the games can have their own thing when you hover over them. And it's hardly any of them actually do. Yeah, maybe the new PS5 games do, but there's like four of them. Yep. So exactly. Some older games have it, but most don't. Yeah. Um, with me, with Firewatch... Uh, This game came out during a period of my life when I wasn't really playing that many games. Um, I was kind of picking away at Dark Souls 2. 
But other than that, I, I really wasn't playing much. So I didn't even know about this game. I wasn't really paying attention to what was coming out and stuff like that. So when I first got my Switch, which was in 2019, I think, um, I remember looking at lists of like best games to download for Switch, and Firewatch came up often. And I was always most intrigued by the setting of it, because it's not like a common setting, you know, fire lookout in a national park. So mm -hmm. I always had this like half-hearted curiosity and like a, hey, wouldn't that be cool to like go do that for a summer? Like I, I forget the name, but there's like a famous author who did that and uh, wrote about it a little bit. And so I always had this like curiosity in the back of my head. And then I saw this game and it's not very expensive. And then I looked it up um, online and it's like, oh, this game's really short. Like it's just a, it's just a story you experience. I didn't even know what a walking sim was. Um, cause mm -hmm. they, they kind of like burst on the scene when I was not really playing games or I was just playing Nintendo games or something like that. So, um, I played it for the first time in 2019 and then revisited it for this recording. And like I said, uh, one of the cool things about it is that it is not very long. It's why it's part of the lazy Sunday series here on the show. Uh, it's about the length of a long movie a really long movie but still and yeah being able to break it up like you said was was really cool too yeah it has built-in spots honestly that work really yeah. good for like okay i'm gonna set it down and come back to it yeah i always appreciate when games do that break it up into chapters or in this case uh, it's broken up into days i always appreciate yeah. that so uh, we're, while we're on the subject, let's get into the uh, kind of the story and how the game is uh, set up. So, in Firewatch, you play as Henry, who's a fire lookout in the Shoshone National Forest in the year 1989. And, like we said, it's broken up into days. It's, and it's not like day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. It's, I, I forget the exact numbers, but sometimes you'll jump, like day 33 to day 74 or something like that. Yeah. The first few days are there, and then it starts jumping. Right. Um, and I, I kind of liked how it jumps forward. Uh, we'll get into that when we talk about the story. But I, I do kind of like how it's there's like an implied passage of time in there. And so as Henry, um, on the first couple of... Actually, before the days start, before you get out into the National Park, you get some backstory about him and why he's there in the first place. That is, I think, spoilery. So we'll save that Absolutely. for the spoiler section. Yeah. It really sets the tone for the entire game. We'll just say that for mm -hmm. now. And during the actual like park section of the game, which is, you know, 95% of the game is out there. 
You're mostly talking on the radio to your supervisor. Her name is Delilah. She's in the next watchtower. So you can like see her watchtower, but it's kind of far away. And yeah. that's kind of how the story is told is through conversations between them. And you get some internal dialogue from Henry as well. And basically, things are good in the park for a little while. And then things are not good in the park. It is a story after all. There has to be conflict. And you can use your imagination about what kind of things happen out in the park. So without spoilers, um, Jake, what... What would you say to people who are listening who haven't played this game about the story? I really enjoyed it. I will say that I tend not to be super critical of things. It's kind of like, did I enjoy it or not? Without getting into the minutia of, was it good or not, per se. And I enjoyed it. It kept me involved. It had my emotions like going with it. I didn't feel detached or anything. I really felt right there. It really made me feel some feelings, um, especially with the startup, like we said, which definitely builds towards the feeling of the whole game. And when we get to the spoiler wall and talk about it, I will say that the the emotional resonance it sets up is something I really like I like exploring these particular feelings and it helps with the story a lot. It grounds it in a way, um, helps you connect with the characters and it is fun. You're walking around and having the conversations and environmental storytelling. And one thing I will say that I think helps the story a lot is the soundtrack, which is amazing. Yeah, I I don't really remember the soundtrack a whole lot, but I think that it like if I don't if I don't remember it a whole lot, that means that it is kind of uh kind of laid back and um kind of just mm-hmm. playing along with that theme of you being alone in nature most of the time until, you know, things happen and there's conflict and it picks up. Am I remembering that right? Yes, and part of the reason it probably sticks out to me more is going back to that dynamic theme is, you know, they use one of the songs. Oh, yeah, right. And just every time I turned on my PlayStation for a while, that's what I would hear, and I love it. And so this time when I replayed it, I, I paid attention to it a lot more than I did the first time, and I really enjoy it. It is subtle. Um, it makes for excellent background music, honestly, to have on when you're, like, just doing stuff or going for a walk. It's perfect for that, which is what it was used for. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion, the story is is good. Like it, it definitely gives you a reason to keep walking. As this is a walking sim, it's it's it pushes like the story pushes you forward more so than a lot of um, a lot of games like this that I've played. There is like mm-hmm. there's a lot more like immediacy to the story because this is not a story where you're like like in Gone Home, where you're walking through an empty house figuring out what happened. Uh, this yeah, is a kind story of after where, like, the fact. Right. This this story is happening to you, to Henry. So exactly. This, this one definitely pushes you along. Um, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but it, it, it pushes you along really well. And I think the story is really good. I love the dynamic between Henry and Delilah. It's very, very good because you spend most of the game just talking on the radio and looking around for stuff. 
And it's really, really good. The way the writing is, the way that the dynamic is, they feel like two very real people, and that helps the story a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, without spoilers, I think that this story is something definitely worth experiencing. Uh, you, If you're doing research around the internet about the game, you might find people talking about the story of this game for reasons we'll go into in the spoiler section, but it is good. It's not a long game. Uh, it's definitely worth your time, I think, if you're into this kind of game. So this is a walking sim. Uh, which means that you are basically just walking around. Yeah, it's very light on mechanics. Uh, it sounds, Jake. It sounds like you're a fan of the genre, or at least a fan of a couple of games in particular. Um, what do you think are the keys to a good walking sim? And do you think that Firewatch matches that? Yeah. So I like the genre. I've only played two games in the genre to completion. And to me, I think the keys that both of those games have in common is a solid, steady drip of information that keeps you going along. Um, some of the other ones I've dipped my toes into, uh, what are they? Like, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, I think, is one. Um, and then something, Edith Finch, I think. Yeah, What Remains of Edith Finch. There you go. Yeah. Those ones, I really dig the vibe when you start them up, but they don't give enough information quick enough for me, and I'm kind of like, okay, I feel like it would be really interesting, and I do want to know what happens or what happened, but it's not enough to keep me going. Whereas mm -hmm. Firewatch is really good at, like you said, that steady drip of information and story the conversations, it happening at the time you're playing it definitely helps a lot. Um, Gone Home did a good job of even though it's after the fact, you are constantly getting more little snippets of information and story that made me want to go to the next area, go to the next spot, find more. And to me, that's yeah. the key is there needs to be a constant influx of story. There can't be too much time where it's just kind of vibes just atmosphere even though that's one of the things these games excel at is having amazing atmospheres and having you involved in that way i need more than just that right and for me like i've played a, i've played a lot of those games that you mentioned i've played what remains of edith finch and i really like it um, I played a little bit of Gone Home and got very scared and quit playing, yes. although I'm planning to go back and play it. Um, <laughs> the thing that Firewatch does and that what, what remains of Edith Finch does that I think is really good is that you are there's some degree of interactivity to it, and Gone Home is a little bit less. Like in Firewatch, you're walking around, uh, you're doing stuff, but like we'll we'll talk about how it's how it's set up but you're not just walking from point A to point B down a hallway or something like that and you have things to do you have to i mean it's extremely limited interaction but you have to climb up um you know a, a rock face for uh, mm -hmm. throw a rope and climb up or down a rock face uh you have to interact to use the radio and stuff like that so you're walking but 
you do feel like you have a little bit of interactivity with what the character does too. What Remains of Edith Finch does that really well by switching up how you're interacting with what's happening. So there's like different sections with like, I, I hesitate to call them different mechanics because they're all very limited still, but it does mix it up. And to me, that's the key for a walking sim to be really, really uh, engaging. If the If you're not like getting story all the time and it's super interesting you have to also be doing something um instead of just walking in a straight line which is why i hate the game uh dear esther which is another walking sim all you're doing is walking in a straight line while a narrator talks to you and it looks pretty but it was i'll just say i was glad that that game was 45 minutes long anything longer would have been i would have lost it so I think that Firewatch does the walking sim thing really well by both giving you story and like interactivity a little bit. And again, it's happening at the same time. So like you're you're actually the main character in this. You're not finding out what happened to the main characters of the story. Yeah, that helps a lot. Um, I mentioned Gone Home and walking sims really scare me. Like Firewatch yes. really scared me. And... Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch scared me a little bit. Dear Esther scared me too. And I think I figured out what it is. And it's that lack of interactivity or that knowledge that like, if something happens, you can't dodge out of the way and fight back or you can't really run away or something like that. Yeah, it's the lap of the lack of verbs for sure. You yeah. can't do anything. <laughs> like if something came out, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And in Gone Home, I'll use that example, I intellectually know that there are no jump scares and no monsters and no ghosts in that game. But uh, my emotions and like stuff like that, I could just could not handle the threat of it. And that happened to me in Firewatch too. So we mentioned how Firewatch is broken up into different days and it's a good stopping place. Several times when I was playing Firewatch, I had to stop playing because I was very stressed about like, what just happened and what might happen on the next uh, the next day that you're playing through. So mm -hmm. it was, and like the setting, you know, you're out in nature, like the actual wilderness where there are things out there that could be really dangerous. And it, it sets up this mood and atmosphere in Firewatch really well. Like you said, something the genre excels at. Firewatch does this really, really well. Yeah, I agree. They tend to scare me quite a bit too. They do, they put me on edge, and again, even, like you said, if I intellectually know that I don't have a reason to be, it still does. Um, to me, that's part of why I like them. I'm not big on horror games generally. Horror movies don't scare me at all. Games terrify me because it's more immediate. It's like happening to you since you're controlling yep. it. Um, and I liked that aspect of these and you have you have to control games too like you if you're watching a scary movie you can put your hands over your face and not look at the yep. screen if something scares you in a game you won't progress unless you push the control stick forward and pay attention to what's happening yeah the only option you really have is pause it and turn it off <laughs> yep which i did a few times during firewatch yeah i find myself trying to do that in dreams if i have a scary dream i'm like how do i pause this and turn it off yeah Turn this shit off. Unplug it. <laughs> I'm done.
<laughs> so in Firewatch, as a walking sim, most of the time you are walking from point A to point B. You have a you know an objective. You talk to Delilah. Usually she gives you something that uh, she found. She wants you to go check it out. Uh, she's your supervisor after all. So you're the grunt. Hey, go check this out. So uh, a lot of the time you're kind of walking around. You're using your map as a guide. Um, they don't put like map markers on the actual screen, which helps with uh, immersion in the national forest, but your map is helpful. It'll show you your location and it'll show you the trails highlighted for you. I found it pretty easy to navigate. Did you? I did. Uh, the map was definitely really helpful with that. I do. I did find that I had to pull up the map a lot sometimes to make sure I went, yep. turned down the correct path. Now, if you don't want that, you can, I believe in the options, turn it so it doesn't show your current location and it's just a paper map like it would be in real life. And you have to be able to tell where you are based off landmarks and the compass you have, which is yeah. possible, but I don't want to think that much. And so I definitely have the, the marker on showing where I'm at. And it also shows a dotted trail where you've walked recently. So, you know, oh, I came from that direction. I was going that direction. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that you can navigate this game without using, you know, any artificial, you know, gamey things to help you. I think that's really cool, but I agree. That's not exactly what I'm looking for in a game uh, most of the time. And Firewatch is no different. The compass and map together are really, really helpful. I got lost a few times, but like this is a kind of an open world it's it's a small open world but it is open mm -hmm. and you can get lost you can like you can go wander wherever you want to there's no real reason to you're not going to like find it's not like finding caves in skyrim or you're not going to find like cool treasure or something like that but i guess you could go wander around but the point is you can get lost and the map and compass are very very helpful to keep you on track Absolutely. And so as you're walking, you're usually talking to Delilah or, you know, you do have quiet walks where she's not talking to you. And this brings up the kind of dialogue system in the game, which is one of the uh, cool things I think about the game. So you have choices on what to say. And so Delilah will say something to you and you, I think you have different choices for like, do I want to kind of be snarky? Do I want to be, do I want Henry to sound scared? Do I want, how do I want to approach this? And it doesn't really like, eh, it doesn't really affect anything, but in my opinion, it gives you a little bit of agency in like the version of Henry that you're playing. Um, how do you feel about that dialogue choice system? I would definitely agree in that what it mostly does is give you a feeling that you are Henry. It lets you be your version of him. Because, um, yeah, it doesn't really change much as far as the outcome, if anything, really. Uh, I kind of wish it did. I, I wish... When we get beyond the spoiler wall, I'll kind of say what I wish there were at least two endings, I'd say. Um, that I wish changed a little bit more with your choices and dialogue. But it really does give you a good feeling of feeling more attached to Henry because he's your version of Henry. And it does a good right. job of that. I can see if I can see like if the dialogue 
if you choose to be an asshole all the time, I can see wanting like Delilah will be less nice to you and she'll be more like um, matter of fact and more business like if, if you're no fun to talk to on the radio. I'm not sure how it would change like the actual story, but you know, people do this and they do it well in other games. This is a, as far as I know, a small game, you know, it's an indie game. Um, I mm-hmm. watched a GDC talk about, you know, designing the world of it. And it seems like, like one person was pretty much in charge of designing the entire world. So that should give you the, like how big this team is. So, it might be asking for too much to have like dynamic conversations where Delilah will say something different based on how you respond or even change like the course of how the plot plays out. But the dialogue system is really good for keeping you engaged because at the end of the day, you are, if you just boil it down to its base elements, you are just walking and talking the entire time. There's nothing to fight or anything like that. Yep. And that little bit of agency gets you more involved it makes it feel like it's you as opposed to just watching a movie which adds to the uh the scary element that these games tend to give me (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's much easier for me to get scared um when i'm feeling invested and i definitely was when playing this so uh that's i think that's about it as far as mechanics go you're you're walking you are, you know, sometimes you're climbing, sometimes you're checking out documents or you're, you know, I don't know, picking up stuff out in the wilderness. That's about it. So this is going to be a really short, like, pre-spoiler wall section. Is there anything that I missed when uh, talking about kind of the basics of playing this? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we kind of mentioned that it is a small open world there are sections you can't get to that you unlock a very limited extra set of mechanics, like a handful of other things that open up those other other paths and options as you play. Right. Yeah, and we'll we'll save those for spoiler time because sometimes those things are related to story events. But yes, at the at the base of it, you are you're really just walking, talking on the radio. Um, sometimes frantically running back to your fire tower because something spooky happened out there. But yep. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Those are intense moments. Yeah. So uh, we're going to finish up the beginning section of the show before we get to the spoiler wall with some final thoughts, like in summary, about the game in general. And uh, do we recommend you spend uh, a Sunday afternoon playing this? So, Jake, we'll start with you. Yeah, Um I would definitely recommend it, and it's well worth playing in one sitting or over the course of a handful of nights. Like we both said, there are some really well-built-in stopping points um, that you could play for 20-30 minutes a night for a week and get through it and have a good time, or just sit down and play it on a Sunday afternoon. It would be fantastic. As far as how much I'd say it's worth getting, I just quickly looked and like on the Nintendo store for Switch, it's 20 bucks. If you're a huge fan of the genre, I would say, you know, due to its length, I don't know if I would always recommend it at $20. If you're a big fan of the genre, I'd say it's worth it because I think it's a really good one. If you're looking something to spend a few hours on, get it on sale, sale for a little bit under 20 and I'd say it's well worth it. Yeah. 
the I kind of when I think I, I really try not to be a dollars per hour type person when I'm talking about buying games, but I also remember like did I enjoy this as much as going to see a a three hour movie? And I definitely did. I definitely enjoyed yeah. this as much as, you know, a trip to the theater to see a movie um, or two movies, uh, depending on what you're seeing. This is roughly worth one uh, long-ass Avengers movie, for sure. I'd agree with that. So if you look <laughs> at it that way, then it's at a good price point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you do find this game on sale, I definitely recommend it. And I do, you, Jake, do you think this is a good first walking sim for people who are just getting into the genre haven't played one before i think so i think so for sure um because it does have a little bit more going on than some of the other ones do keeps you a little bit more involved and that's kind of just enough to to keep you going and experience it yeah agreed um i i definitely think that this is one of the better walking sims i've played i think I think Edith Finch is my favorite one just because I like the story of that one a little bit more and uh, the way it mixes up gameplay and stuff like that or mixes up what you're walking through and seeing to keep things fresh. But uh, this is about Firewatch. Firewatch is really, really good. I, I mean, I think we've basically talked sugar about it up until now. It's um, it's like we said, it's it's like playing through like a thriller movie, basically. Once mm -hmm. it starts snowballing, it was really hard for me to stop playing. The only reason yeah, I did stop absolutely. playing, and the only reason I did stop playing, is because things got spooky, and I don't handle that very well. And <laughs> <laughs> so, for for anybody who like has not played a walking sim before, or who has but has not played uh, Firewatch, um, I would say that this is this is a good way to spend a few hours of your time uh this game is not gonna take up a huge part of your life you know it's you know this is not a, a 60 hour game I, I just think it's a really good uh, example of the genre and i think that its success has kind of given people more ideas for uh new ways to uh, new settings and new ways to kind of do this genre instead of just walk in a straight line while stories being given to you so in that way it is really really good definitely recommended we are going to go to the spoiler wall here in a minute but before we do for anyone who's tapping out thank you for listening thus far uh, if you would like to support the show please subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review if you can that really helps what helps the most is telling people to listen to it I know how telling people about new podcasts is almost like asking them to help you move or something like that, but do it anyway. Um, I also do a podcast called A Top Three Podcast, where each week we pick a topic and we choose our top threes and go around and discuss. That is a good time, so if you want to hear more of me, which sure you do, go ahead and check out A Top Three Podcast wherever you can. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is spoiler time.
And we're back. It is spoiler time for Firewatch. And as we talked about before, this game is really, really story heavy. So spoiler talk is going to be all story. So let's talk about the way that the game is set up. We hinted at it before where you don't actually start the game in the park. You start in kind of a like text adventure type thing where you get a, a prompt on the screen and you get to choose your response. And the way that it starts is Henry meeting his wife. And if you haven't played the game and you're still listening, you may be wondering, wait, Henry's married? You guys didn't mention that. Well, it's because during this text scrawl and over the course of the first few days in the National Park, or actually it's when Henry's camping, uh, walking up to the Firewatch Tower, you find out that Henry's wife, Julia, is suffering from early onset dementia. Uh, you get this really nice, like, setup where Henry meets Julia. And you, again, you get that dialogue system where you get to pick, like, you see this girl at a bar. What do you do? What's your pickup line? And, and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's really, well, before I give my thoughts about it, um, Jake, what do you think about the way that this is set up for the story? I like it. I think it's really sweet. Um, it does a really good job of immediately getting you involved and liking these characters and liking them as a couple, which is important to the story. Um, yep. For me, I, it, it hit especially strong because kind of, as I mentioned earlier, I had been recently married when I played this. We'd only been me married too. for less than a year. Me too. Um, <laughs> and so it hit really hard. Uh, I was just like, oh, you know, a new couple, newly wed. Like, I get that. I'm experiencing that. And so it really involved me. Yeah, it's a really sweet setup. It's really cute, I would say. The the choice of pickup lines are, they're funny <laughs> because he's really drunk and they come out yeah. badly. <laughs> yeah, we, we should have mentioned before that I think that this game, I mentioned the writing is good, but this game has an excellent sense of humor, I think, without being too you know, without being too much. It feels like a yeah. very real person's sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point you made about how it opens with the dialogue thing instead of just like an opening cutscene, um, You really get involved in Henry right from the first screen of the game. So you keep going in those, uh, those you know, those opening things. Your relationship with uh, your wife, Julia, builds. You get a dog. Um, and this is while Henry is walking up to the fire tower and he's camping and then you go back to this kind of like text adventure thing and you find out that uh, Julia starts forgetting things in life. Like she freaks out at a coworker about something that is not the coworker's fault and just because Julia forgot something. And it turns out she has early onset dementia um, and she has gone to live with her parents and that's why Henry's alone out in the park so this was just a fucking gut punch right at the beginning of the game i didn't know anything about the story uh beforehand and getting this like you have this super happy super like lovable beginning to it and then the rug gets pulled out from under you and it just kind of like casts a specter over the rest of the game um i think yep. Yeah, and not only does she go back to live with her parents, but they are in Australia. Yeah. It's not just another state. It is across. It's the other side of the planet. Um, right. Which is even more so. It's not like, oh, you can, you know, drive for a few hours and go 
go check in. You can't. And part of the reason that they take her is because you're not doing a good job of looking after her. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's hard. Uh, This does hit like a gut punch, like you said. Um, Another thing that was going on as I started playing this game is my, at the time, new wife's, uh, her grandpa was starting to suffer from some dementia. And so it was even more real, like, oh my gosh, yeah, no, this is a terrible thing to deal with as a family. Um, It's scary. It's sad. It's a lot of stuff. And it puts just this feeling of, uh, like, solemnness on, on top of everything. And I really dig that. Honestly, in my media or books or anything, uh, melancholy, uh, you know, for longing, anything like that, I just dig for whatever reason. Um, it pulls me in and I kind of like uh, exploring those emotions and feelings. And this game pulled me right in with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you're pl- this, this all happens in the first 15 to 20 minutes or something like that. I think, and you have another three hours or so of the game to play. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a long time, but it is, you know, it does feel like the game goes on for uh, some time. And sometimes it's brought up in the game, uh, you know, your wife, but you will go sections of the game and you forget about her, um, even though they do such a good job. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that as like, to say that this storyline is not impactful at all. I actually think it's really good that I went through and I went a half hour, 45 minutes without thinking about Julia because I think that Henry probably would have too. And then you get Mm -hmm. that like reminder, like, oh shit, like he's not, you know, he's not free as a bird out here. There is this thing looming. Yeah, he's not okay. You know, he's, he's suffering and going through stuff himself. That's one of the themes of the game that they talk about. Um, him and Delilah talk about this a few times. Like, why are you out here? Why are you out here secluded in this national forest? You're basically alone out here. All you have is radio contact. Um, why are you here? What are you running from? And that's a exactly. theme that they people talk about. Would, people would do this to run away from something. Yep. And yeah, Henry is Henry is no different. So that setup of uh, his wife and her illness and how she has basically been taken away from him and that's why he's out in the park trying to, I don't know, if he's trying to forget or if he's trying to move on or he's trying to just get some time for himself. That's something they explore uh, throughout the story. It's really, really impactful. So the story starts out fine. Basically, you're out in the park, you meet Delilah, um, you talk, you immediately have a little flirtatious relationship with her, which is very, uh, you know, sometimes you're not thinking about Henry's wife, as I'm sure he's not. And you're kind of flirting. You're like, ooh, Delilah, she's cool. Wonder, Wonder what her deal is. And then sometimes like, you do get a reminder about his wife, but there's still this flirtatious relationship between the two of them. And so things start out fine. You're just, you know, running errands in the forest, basically, you know, Hey, go to this uh, safe box and uh, get what's in there and take it back to your lookout tower or something like that. Um, 
And then kind of shit starts to hit the fan pretty soon after that. You get like a little bit of nice peaceful timeout. And then Delilah says there's people setting off fireworks. And you can actually look out your tower and there's people setting off fireworks. And you're a uh, fire lookout. You don't want fireworks out in the forest. That's bad. Bad for your job. So yep. you got to go out there. <laughs> you got to go out there. There's uh, some teenagers out at the lake. They're setting off fireworks. And you uh, you have a little dust up with them. You You yell at them. They yell at you back and stuff like that. And so after your little dust up with the teenagers, you're heading back to your fire tower and you have to go through a cave to get back. And this cave will be important later in the story. But what's important now is that you see that somebody's watching you out in the forest and you're kind of wondering, like, uh, I, you know, this, we're really far out in the middle of the goddamn wilderness right now. Who's watching me? Yeah. And then you get back to your... I think you shout out at them and they don't respond. They just walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sets off that creepy vibe right away where, you know, absolutely because the, the sun is setting at this point. Yeah. And this, this might've been the point where I kind of was like, Oh, actually I don't want to go spend an entire summer out at a Firewatch tower. This would be creepy as hell. <laughs> and I, I can't handle this. See, uh, my wife and I actually really want to do this. Not a whole summer. Um, I, I'm in, out in the Pacific Northwest, um, Oregon and Washington. And you can actually, they've turned some of them into like rentals. You can rent it for a weekend and stuff like right. that. And uh, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. Like that'd be really fun for a, a long weekend, you know, three, four days just bring some books and some board games, spend the days hiking, the nights hanging out, looking at the stars. Um, but yeah, it definitely gives a, but it could be pretty creepy as well. <laughs> yeah, because there might <laughs> there might be someone out in the distance watching you. Might be so, a weirdo out there. Yeah, can't rule that out. <laughs> um, no. So... As you're you're heading back to your tower and you're freaked out because like you're actually not alone out in the wilderness here. You get back to your uh, kind of home base at the tower and someone has gone through the place and torn it up and ransacked it. Yeah. And you find your typewriter on the ground at the bottom of the tower and you're like, why yeah. is this down here? Yeah. I def- I mean, I don't know why. He. You kind of think like, could it have been a bear uh, that did this? But you know that it's not a bear that did that. Yep. You go up there, broken window. The inside is all ransacked. Like you said, someone was in there for sure. Right. And you uh, tell Delilah and she's like, what? Who do you think it could have been? And you have a couple options. The, uh, again, the options don't really matter, but it helps you give this sense of who do I think it was? And, right. you know, you exactly. could have been the teenagers that you saw. Maybe they're mad at you because you had a little dust up with them. Or maybe it's the whoever it was you saw watching you. Who knows? Right. And this is really cool for like for plot reasons. Of course, this is the thing that kind of like sparks the rest of the story. But also this is something that a lot of games do where they take your safe place and they make it unsafe. And it you yep. never feel comfortable there again for the rest of the game. Yes. You're never like... <laughs> This tower is my safe place. You don't have a safe place anymore, and you're out in the middle of the wilderness, and it really sets an edge. It's really good. Very, very good. 
So you go back out to the teens campsite and you think that like, okay, it's just these asshole teenagers. I'm going to go, you know, give them a talking to. And you get out there and their campsite has been ransacked and it looks like something really bad happened to them. And Mm -hmm. you start freaking out because you were the last person to talk to them that you know of. And you start thinking like, oh shit, like if they're dead, they're going to blame me for this. I was the last person here. And it's now the snowball is going down the side of the mountain and the rest of the game is it's in motion now. Yeah. The, the creepiness has been building and it's full on there at this point for the entire rest of the game. You're like, what is going on out here? Yeah. And it's this, this tension level keeps building over and over and over again. And I think that that's something the game does really, really well is you start out with like, oh, it's just some teenagers drinking and setting off fireworks in the forest. It's not a big deal. Oh, there's, you know, I saw somebody out in the wilderness. Maybe it was one of the teenagers. Maybe, you know, they're just being, oh, shit, someone wrecked my house. And from here, the tension just builds and builds and builds the entire time. Yep. Um, I think for a short game, I mean, it's tough for a short game like this to have bad pacing, but I think the pacing of this is really good. It makes you really want to keep going. For sure. I definitely agree The the pacing for me is what really kept me involved. It does a really good job of wanting you to play just a little bit longer. And since it's short, that little bit longer, eventually it's over. <laughs> right. And the way that it's broken up into days, it gives you, it gives you that like that situation where you're like, Oh, that day's over. Can I reset? But I could play one more day or I can play a day. couple more exactly. of these, like these in-game days. Um, yeah, it's, it's good that way. So, Eventually, uh, you keep going uh, through the story, you're trying to figure out what's happening. There's a, a brief little thing where uh, there's some power lines down. Delilah wants you to go check them out. You find out that they've been cut, uh, not like knocked down in a storm. They've been cut clean through. Uh, that's no fun. Um, eventually, you find a backpack from a boy named Brian Goodwin. And Delilah kind of gives you the backstory for like Brian and his dad, who were out here in the uh, in the forest as lookouts uh, the dad's name is Ned and yes Ned was not supposed to bring Brian out you're not supposed to bring kids if you're doing this and I don't know I should have known that when I was playing I should have known that this was like a Chekhov's gun thing I should have known like they wouldn't do all of this if it wasn't going to be important later but I just kind of breezed past it did you pick up on this uh, in its importance the first time it's hard for me to remember exactly if I did or not. I, but I do believe I was like, "Ooh, something's here." I think something happened, but I wasn't sure what. Like, I didn't full on go, "Oh, I know what's going on here." But I, it was one more thing that added, like, things aren't right out here. Yeah, for sure. You you find a you know a backpack out in the middle of the wilderness, and you're like, oh well, these people are out here. I guess I should have thought these people were out here. They're working in the kid's backpack. Well, why didn't he take his backpack home? Why is this out in the middle of the woods? You know. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't think that far either. Where it was like, wait, why is it still out here? I was like, oh, it got lost. Yeah. You know. <laughs> This is a uh, this is something that like I will admit to like I don't really 
I don't really like break down and analyze story while I'm playing at all. I just kind of like soak it in. And if I miss something like this, or like if I don't pick up on something that's foreshadowed, it's something that happens quite often. So like I'm often very surprised by what happens in stories. Um, and this was definitely no no different. I am the same way. I'm absolutely the same way. Like, there's so many times where people are like, oh, I saw that coming a mile away, or I knew it. I'm like, I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Sometimes no I idea. do. Sometimes I do. Most of the time, I am just experiencing each moment as it happens. And I don't, like you said, analyze it and try to figure things out ahead of time, even if I could have or not. Yeah. But that's good. In this kind of game, like, just being in the moment, experiencing the things the way that... um Henry is experiencing it really. I mean, I was pretty immersed in, in what was happening. So I was like, oh yes, weird backpack. Uh, Henry thinks that's weird too. Of course. Okay. Well, we've got stuff to do, so let's move on. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, eventually you kind of get to like where shit really hits the fan, where you find out that someone has been listening to your, um, your communications with Delilah. You find a kind of like an outpost with a notebook with stuff written down that you've said and stuff that Delilah's said. And this is like the major like, oh, what is happening here moment in Mm -hmm. the story. And at this point, you've also found um, a section that's fenced off. Yeah. And even Delilah didn't know that that was there and thought that was weird. So you yeah. you have that going on. You find out someone's been listening. The teens are missing. Someone has been watching you. You know, there's there's all these things that are like, I mean, they all have to be connected, right? You're kind of thinking. Yeah, you're you're kind of like, I mean, I was like, this is this is the point in the game where I started to be like kind of freaked out and like had to start taking longer breaks in the game or like taking breaks from the game itself. I wanted to push through. I was like, I I need to know what happens now. And I just wanted to go, go, go. Yeah, I, I was very like, you know, I want to see what happens. I'm very interested in what's happening. But it's, you know, it's 11 p.m. I need to go to bed. And if I keep playing, mm-hmm. I'm going to be too stressed to go to sleep. Yeah. So I have to stop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I generally play like very story-based games like instead of reading a book before I go to bed and Firewatch was not always the best choice for that because I got very stressed starting at this point in the story. Yes. So, um, this, you get the, I think the game's only jump scare is around this time when you are yes, investigating. Yes, right after you find the clipboard, right after you find the clipboard, um, showing that someone's been listening to your conversations and writing it down. Right, and you're you're heading home or something like that, and uh, you're kind of talking on the radio or something like that, and someone knocks you out, and it's yep. very jarring. Like it's a very yes, good, it is. Um, like oh shit moment. Like you don't and you don't see who did it, but something happens and you you get knocked unconscious. And I actually like jumped and like dropped my switch in bed because there are no <laughs> jump scares up to this point. And so I, I wasn't ready for one and I'm never ready for jump scares. I hate it so much. Like I, I know there's some people who like really like that as a feeling. That feeling. Um, and yeah. You get that rush from it, you know, uh, I hate it. 
I won't, this is why I don't watch horror movies and I don't play horror games for the most part is because I don't like jump scares. And this really freaked me out. Even though if you line this up with all the other jump scares I've experienced in my life, this is pretty tame. It's just you're walking and someone knocks you out from behind. That's all that happens. Yep. But it was like the tension's been building so well that this moment really hits. It does. It, it hits really well because uh, you find the clipboard, find out someone's been listening. And uh, some of the stuff written down, I think, is stuff that had been said very recently. And so you're like, yeah, this is freshly written on. And then you find a radio, which you're like, this is the radio they've been using. To... And then it happens. <laughs> oh, man, it's really good. Really good. It uh, got me today. I, I just played through that part today and it got me, even though I played it before. <laughs> Even though you know it's coming, still gets you. Yeah. It's uh, it's really good. And this kind of like, I'm going to kind of like breeze through unless there's, unless there's something you think is important. But you find out here, someone's been listening and that's the main driver of the story from here is like, you're like, you're not really worried about those teenage girls anymore. You're no. like, oh shit, I'm in actual danger out here. There's a person out here who seems like they have it out for me. And they're obviously you're you get the feeling now like you're not going to sneak up on this person and find them. They are hunting you, basically. Mm hmm. Um, you get a new radio that hopefully isn't being listened in on. Um, Delilah kind of gives hints so that the other person can't beat you to it since, you know, you're being listened to at this point. It briefly goes in the direction of, like, big conspiracy. Yeah. You think it's, like, a government conspiracy? Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that little bit of foray into this. Um, it ends up being a red herring. But it's a fun little, oh my gosh, is this even bigger and weirder than I think it is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think for it's sure. A, I think it's a good thing that it's not, because it needs to stay more grounded, but it's just short enough before you figure out that it is a red herring um, that it's a good little extra layer of tension and kind of freaking out. Yeah. And we'll get into what it actually is in a second. I mean, we're in the spoiler section. It's not a government thing. It's a person. Um, and I, I do like, I mean, I think I would have been cool with it going in that direction if that's what... Uh, the game was built around but at the end of the day this game is built around people and like what they're running away from and very very human things like that so the the fact that it is just a guy out there and it's not you know a government conspiracy i think that does work really well mm -hmm. but yeah you're right that brief little moment where you're like oh shit am i you know am i discovering government secrets out here it is pretty cool yeah, I, it's it's handled really well where they've built the tension enough that it seems like it could be plausible um, and it freaks you out even more, but then it, it moves on and stays grounded. Yeah. So soon after that, I think it's I mean, I think it's pretty soon after that a fire starts out in the wilderness and uh, it's another your job. One. Another one. There's already one fire going at this point that you've been keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. And another one starts. And so as you go, the two I think the two fires merge together, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. And so you have this 
story of like the person that's out in the wilderness listening to you and following you. And now you have a fire which is growing. And so you have these two mm-hmm. sources of tension now. And you know, you're, by this point, you're pretty far into the game. If you know how long the game is, you know you're building toward um, a climax here. There's a there's a part where you're, you, you're supposed to go find some firefighters who can kind of help you out. And I was so scared going through this section, trying to find these firefighters because the air is starting to get a little bit hazy. And- yep. Nothing's happened to you from uh, from your you know your hunter in a you know in some time, so you're not sure when it's going to happen again. Uh, you find the old uh, like scout camp that hasn't been used in a long time. Yeah, um, and it's sufficiently creepy because like the bridge is out to it. The little uh, like shacks that they would stay in are all run down at this point. Um, yeah, when you're looking for the firefighters is when you come across this place. Uh, there's also a little Easter egg in those shacks that I really like. Oh, is um, there? Yeah. The bloodborne hunter symbol. Oh, I didn't even see that. That's very cool. Yeah. It is <laughs> on one of the planks in one of the shacks. And, uh, we didn't, we haven't mentioned this, but you do get a little disposable camera at one point that you can take pictures with. And I highly recommend uh, using it throughout because then they uh, you see the pictures in reverse order um, during the credits. Ah, oh, that's I, uh, very that's cool. I always take a picture of the Bloodborne symbol. <laughs> like, oh, it's Bloodborne. Hell yeah, that's cool. Uh, oh, when I played this, I hadn't played Bloodborne yet, so I probably wouldn't have um, wouldn't have understood. But that is cool. That's really cool, and that gives Campo Santo some more points in my book. Oh, for sure. I have I have that symbol tattooed on my arm, so I'm a big fan, so it works very well on me. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's for you specifically. I mean, I, I yes. love Bloodborne. It might be my favorite game ever, so that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, that, that part where you're you're looking for those firefighters, um, it, it's very creepy because, like, you haven't been to that part of the map before, so, like, you have these, like, looming things, like, there's a madman out in the forest there's a big there's a fire happening i still have to navigate the map and try not to get lost and i don't want to get lost because i don't know what's going to happen to me if i do and then you get to that part and you're like oh this looks like no one has been here in 20 years this looks Mm -hmm. abandoned and you're right it is really really creepy that section and i pretty sure i just booked it out of there as quickly as i could like if if someone watched like my gameplay video they would be like this guy is terrified like calm He's down man it's everywhere. not that kind of game yeah running <laughs> everywhere i mean i have that thing where when i'm playing a game i run all the time anyway uh, i have a Same. hard time taking my time even though maybe you should if you're playing you know if you're really role playing henry he's probably not sprinting from place to place but you know <laughs> this was this was good it was a good moment so, anything else before we get to the uh, the ending that we want to mention? Um. Well, let's see. You get the stuff from the. You find an axe at where the firefighters used to be. You find a note saying where they've gone, and it is mm-hmm. connected to some of the weird information you find out had found out earlier. Um, this is actually when you get to the weird 
maybe it's a government conspiracy stuff because you need the axe to get into where that is at. Oh, right. Um, yeah, because there's a gate and you can't you can't break the gate open. And so yeah, you that's get the kind axe. of a thing. Yeah. And then when you're leaving, when you're leaving the weird. Or when you're leaving after you get the axe at some point during this, you find a little hideout that Brian Goodwin had made. Um, and it has some notes from him. And, and his D&D maps books. He's drawn. And... Yep. No, it's Wizards and Wyverns. <laughs> wizards and Wyverns, yeah. W and W doesn't roll off the tongue like D&D. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you find that I like stuff. that little hideout. Yeah, the hideout's really good. Um, really good environmental storytelling, which, I mean, is what these games do. That's what they rely on. This um, one's this is notes, really heavy environmental homework. storytelling here. Yeah. Uh, and then... So while you're doing this and then you get to the government conspiracy place and you think they're the ones listening in on you and you get an item that lets you hone in on electronics in the area, kind of anything that's giving right. off a signal. Um, and this starts really getting to the climax. Um... We're not to the ending yet, though. You use that, and you find another backpack that has keys to a part of the cave that was locked up previously. Yeah, there was a there was a locked gate in the cave, and you walked past that locked gate several times because... And Delilah says that the keys have been missing for years. Yeah. And on your route through the park, you're going through that cave often. So you're passing by this door several times, and, you know, mm -hmm. by now you should realize, like, this is a big kind of it feels big open world but there's not a whole lot of like things in there that you're going to interact with and you should know like at some point i'm going to go through that that locked gate yes and uh so you find the backpack that has the key so you can finally go in there yeah and, and when you the do first time you go in go ahead oh no, you go ahead man okay um the first time you go in you only get a little bit in, and you hear the gate slam behind you. Uh, yeah. Creepy, creepy, and creepy. you turn around and go back, and you're locked in. You can't unlock it from the side you're on. You can't reach around to get to the lock. Uh, bad design. Should have a lock on both sides. <laughs> yep. Um, and so you have to... F and your radio doesn't work. You don't have any reception down there in the cave, so you can't tell Delilah, Hey, I'm stuck. Help. Yeah. Uh, so you have to find another way out, which you do yeah. uh, this time. Yeah, you Not do. much happens, except if you're paying attention and you look down this pit on one side, there's a shoe on a ledge. Yeah. And so you climb down eventually, and um, it's, it's kind of miraculous that you find this perfect path so far down in this cave. But you climb down and you're walking through, trying to find a way out of the cave, you know. Is this game going to end with with me just being locked in a cave and starving to death or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're walking forward and you find uh, you find Brian Goodwin's body down there, and this kind of sets off the the ending sequence of events, which is whenever you hear people talk about Firewatch who have played Firewatch, this is like the magnet for it is how this game ends.
So you find Brian's body and you figure out that he died in a climbing accident. You see, you ha- there's mm-hmm. this climbing gear uh, on him that's broken. Um, you know, there's there's rope that's fallen down, and so you you find his body and you you find out that it's been his dad that was tracking you the whole time. And so you like get out of the cave. You find uh, you're able to talk to Delilah, uh, and you I forget how you find the um, the bunker. Okay, so yeah, that comes in a little bit. Um, so you get out of the cave, and you know that Delilah had liked Brian Goodwin. They had had conversations, mm-hmm. and she liked him, thought he was a good kid. Yeah. Uh, so you get out of the cave, and you kind of you tell her, like, hey, um, I'm really sorry, but I, I found Brian. And she blames herself for it. She immediately is like, I should have reported that. Said something hmm because kids aren't supposed to be out here and yeah. ned didn't seem like that great of a guy and she's convinced that ned killed him she's like yeah that asshole killed his son and left him in the wilderness and you can kind of go along with that in your conversation choices or you can say i i really think it was an accident yeah you know not saying he was a good father because there were signs that brian goodwin really didn't like climbing and didn't want to do it and was being and his dad was trying to force him to like connect with him or something mm-hmm. um but you can say no I'm, I'm pretty sure even though it wasn't a great situation that it was an accident yeah i like that conversation with delilah a lot because you're coming out of mm-hmm. the cave and you have a long walk to get to uh where you're going next and you're, you're talking to delilah she's freaking out again you have kind of a choice on how you want henry to respond to it um in my opinion like the way that i saw henry is that he would be like, no, actually, it looked like it was an accident. Um, yeah, Henry same. doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the kind of. I mean, he's not like a great person, but he doesn't seem like he's just going to lie and go along with the story. Yeah, or that he would think that like there's enough evidence that no, it really looks like an accident. Yeah, um, for sure. And so after that long walk and that conversation, when you get back to the tower, um. Oh, no, when you're walking, she says something about the tower, and you go, no, I'm not there. She's like, but I'm looking at someone in the tower right now. Right. And you're like, what? She's like, get back there. And you get there, no one is there anymore, but there's a uh, a Walkman and a cassette taped to the door. Yeah, and you listen to that, and and that's... Ned. It's a recording of Ned um, kind of talking about what happened. Yeah. And... At this point, the fires are kind of out of control, and so the air is the air is smoky. Um, Delilah's talking about evacuating. You... Yeah, you're leaving the next day, actually. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that reveal that like this was Ned, and it wasn't. It's not a government conspiracy. It's not a serial mm-hmm. killer living out in the woods. It's um, it's actually Brian Goodwin's dad. And this, mm-hmm. I think this is part of like what people don't like about this ending. People who have a problem with it, this is part of what they have a problem with, is that it turned out to be this guy who's been camping out in the forest, um, living here because he can't handle like what happened to his son. He doesn't want to go back to society after what happened. Yeah. yeah. He's lost. So he's hiding from it too. Really severe grief. Yeah. So what do you think about this reveal? And this is like, you know, 
finding out that this was the the thing that was causing all of your problems? It works for me, honestly. Um, it's just a guy that was lost in his grief. Uh, I think the reason he was doing the stuff he was doing is he was worried someone would find out about it because he doesn't want to deal with it. Um, yeah. And he wants people to just leave and leave him alone. Yeah, and that's why he's been messing with you. It's not maliciousness towards Henry. It's like he wants to stay hidden. He wants to keep yeah. Henry away from where he's hiding out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that I, works I for that... me. Like, Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I hadn't read up on any of like people not liking or liking the ending. I knew there was some talk about it, but I never really looked into it or why. I just knew that it, it worked for me. Same. Yeah. This, uh, again, I think you said at the beginning of the show, you, you tend to just experience things and like it or you don't. And you don't try to really analyze like, oh, why, why was this ending good? I'm kind of the same way. And, you know, I'm on a podcast talking about uh, why I like games and why I don't. But this ending works for me, too. Uh, I thought it was a, a fine way to kind of close that loop of why these bad things are happening to you. And I mean, if I was going to say, oh, it's kind of weird, like it just turned out to be this guy living out in the forest, I don't have any alternate thing. I would rather it be this guy living in the forest than like government agents trying to keep you away from their secret base, you know? Yeah, you find out that part of that weird little area that was set up to make it look like the government was listening to you, um, that Ned had gone there ahead of you and planted stuff to make it look like that, hoping to scare you away. So you would just leave and he could be left alone. I'm like, you know what? Uh, sure, that works for me. Makes sense. Yeah, why not? And so uh, part of this is you, you, you're, it's, I think this is actually on evacuation day. Um, when you go and you find his bunker. Yeah, you find, um, as you're evacuating, you find a rope, your name written on a rock pointing up, and another tape is what leads you to it. Yeah. Um, and it's another tape from Ned saying, I hope you get this before it burns up. Uh, go up there, you'll get some answers. But also, please just leave me alone. I'm going to go deeper into the wilderness. And I just want to be left alone. Yep. And you get some you get some time exploring his bunker that you find up mm -hmm. there, uh, which is where he's been living. You find he's been basically like stealing batteries to power all of his electronics. Um, there's a there's like a point where there's like two lawn chairs set up on like a you know a cliff basically, and you yeah. Henry's like what a beautiful view he had, and it's it's like obscured by trees or something, but it would be a nice place to just sit and, you know, have a beer or something like that. But you, you can tell like this guy's been living rough in this homemade bunker. Um, and it, it seems like he's, there's a lot of like discarded, like scrap electronics up there. And it just seems yeah. like he's been obsessive about like surveilling and making sure that he stays hidden for however long since this happened. Yeah, and you find um, one of Brian's Wizards and Wyverns, like the player book, you find a picture of Brian. You can mm -hmm. tell that, you know, unlike what Delilah's thinking, because she's so upset, 
you know, he didn't do something malicious to his son. Yeah, he he loved his son. It was, it was an accident. He may not have been the greatest father, um, but he did love his son, and he's in grief. Um, and as you're going through the cave, you can keep reporting on every little thing you find to Delilah. And mm-hmm. she's like, not responding, not responding, not responding. And then she finally says, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do with this information. Like, what are you expecting me to say? Yeah. And it's very real. Yeah. She's really shaken up by this too. Like you, you're kind of like, it's past the point where like you're reporting and, um, working on this mystery together like you were for mm-hmm. the entire game up until then. Delilah's pretty much shut this down. Uh, she, cause she's, she's evacuating soon and she's, you know, she's just like, I want to just put this all behind me. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, she's really shaken up by what happened to Brian. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the things she says is I don't want to sit here with the ghost of this boy. Yeah. Because she's blaming herself. And you can keep telling her, hey, like, it's not your fault. Yeah, but she she doesn't want to hear it. Um, actually, when you're walking, when you first come out of the cave after finding the body and you're talking to Delilah, she she gets mad, like we said. You can tell her you think it's an accident. You have a little conversation, and then she kind of just like, hey, I need I need some time to think about this. I can't talk right now. Mm-hmm. So... It's, um, and then, so like, again, as this is happening, as you're exploring this bunker, Delilah's, um, kind of having a rough time over there, blaming herself for it. You're figuring out what happened. The fire is like, it's getting bigger. You are supposed to be evacuating. So there's kind of this feeling of like, like the timer's ticking down, even though, you know, you're not going to die in the fire in the game, but you have the feeling like I can look around in here, but I got to get out of here. Um, before the fire gets out of control. So that's kind of your last thing where you're exploring. Uh, you head out uh, to the evacuation point, and it's a, it's a pretty long hike. Um, mm-hmm. It's like all the way up to like the top of the map. You're going to Delilah's uh, tower, basically. Yeah, you're heading all the way over there. And on the way, uh, she says, hey, my helicopter is here. And you can either say, okay, or you can say, no, wait, like, I don't want to be here alone. Can you wait for me and, and fly out with me? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. Uh, she nope. leaves Even before you get there. Even if she says she's going to wait, she's not there once you get there. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling that, like, there's there wasn't going to be, um, you know, branching endings here at the end. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you say, she's gone, and... You, you can kind of, you can talk to Delilah, you get to her tower and you're still um, talking to her on the radio. Uh, so she's flying away and you're looking around in her, um, her room, basically. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of set up like, hey, um, when we get out of here, let's, uh, let's meet up if yeah. you want to. And she says like, oh yeah, I might be, you know, I might be around sometime we can meet up. Sure. Uh, or, you know, there's other conversation options too, but the point is you never actually meet Delilah at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was kind of disappointing, um, that you spent all this time talking to her, 
the the way that the voice acting is um, and the way that it's written, you should come out of this feeling connected to Delilah. Um, yes. So it was pretty uh, pretty disappointing for me. How about you? Yeah, this is where I kind of wish there were two endings. Um, because you have the choice through the dialogue throughout the game to be pretty flirty with her. Um, right. Or you can be not flirty and more just talk about real things. You can talk about your past relationships and stuff like that. And I wish at this point there were kind of two options. One, where you move on in a new direction with your life and even if you don't see her in the game because part of the thing is is you never see another person face to face in the game just silhouettes mm-hmm. or from a distance or um in full clothing with a helmet on a fireman because the game engine isn't built to show full people you know it was a way mm-hmm. for them to get around that um i wish that either if you were flirty enough maybe throughout the game made the right choices with her that she would just agree like you know what yes i'm gonna wait at the landing spot let's meet there and you kind of have that okay i'm gonna go maybe start a, a new life or you can say you know what as soon as i'm back i'm gonna i'm gonna fly to australia i need to i need to get this figured out and kind of go that way right um, but it doesn't really give you either yeah and i think that's part of like what's good about the way this game ends is you don't get any kind of like positive movement really uh in Mm -hmm. in henry's life like you you're you're not definitely starting a relationship with with delilah when this is over um henry has not really made any progress with his own situation with his wife um you came out into the forest to kind of get away from that and uh, you know who knows what the actual goal was whether it was to forget it or whether it was to uh, reflect on it you didn't really accomplish anything out there when you're out in the park and so all you leave with the park you leave the park with more questions than you came into it with at the mm-hmm. end and the the thing with delilah is a big part of that yeah you get credits and if you've been using that disposable camera it goes through the pictures um, in reverse order. And the key is the disposable camera was Brian Goodwin's. It was in his backpack that you find at the beginning of the game. Uh-huh. Um, so is there so a picture like about... from something he did? Yes. Yep. There are pictures of, of him and his dad. Um, ah, damn. So what I like with the way that I use the camera, because both times I used up the whole roll, um, is at the end, it's a lot of very smoky and like ominous pictures and it goes back and it's pictures of like the bunker, the body, wrecked campsites, nice views, sunny, nice. Because when you yeah. first get it, nothing super bad has happened yet. And so it yeah. kind of brings you out of what you just went through. Um, ah. It gets to a picture of Henry's face because when he picks it up, it accidentally goes off in his face. So you get that picture, which is a nice little payoff. Mm-hmm. Um And then you realize anything before that was before you had the camera. And so there's like a picture of Ned looking over his shoulder and waving because Brian's taking the picture from behind as they're hiking. There's a selfie that Brian took of himself. There's a picture of him and his dad sitting together on the steps to the tower smiling. You can see that they were getting along, that it was a good relationship and it was a, 
terrible accident. Yeah. Man, that's cool. I I either missed it my first time uh, through. Like, I, do you have to use the camera in order to trigger that in the credits? Do you know? I'm not sure because I've fully used it both times. Um, right. You actually get a trophy on PlayStation if you uh, use up the whole camera roll. It's one of the trophies. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that from uh, from when I played it. And then when I kind of went through it in review for this uh, for this show, um, I was watching a Let's Play of it and I just quit playing when the camera or when the credits start. So that's very cool. And yeah, you're right. It kind of does bring you out of all that you know, paranoia and smoke and all of that stuff at the end and uh, gives you at least the knowledge, like it doesn't change anything, but you get the knowledge mm-hmm. that Brian and Ned uh, did, you know, have a have a nice relationship at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So that's uh, that's the story of Firewatch. And, you know, the like when you when you read people talk about it it's a sh- i think it's a shame that people talk about this game as like the ending is totally fucked like i hate this ending and i i just don't quite see it i i thought the ending was was good even though i'm disappointed you don't meet delilah at the end it works for me thematically like you know why would you deserve to meet her and start a brand new life with her after everything that's happened and after how yeah. you kind of ran away from your problems before it works for me it works for me as well. Um, I agree. Even though I'm a little disappointed, I don't think it's a bad ending. Yeah. This is this is something that, like, another thing I do, like, I often do get disappointed with the way stories go, but you can think about this, like, thematically and realize, like, this does fit. And I know a lot of people don't like the way that it turns out to be Ned hiding in the forest the whole time like it's some kind of like deus ex machina or something like that and I I totally disagree with that I'm sure that you you know if you already know what's happening there are clues that you can pick up and they foreshadow that this Goodwin family is going to be important Uh, I missed it the first time I played but like they they don't introduce a whole lot of characters to you even through dialogue so yeah. when you find this the Goodwin family several times, you sh- you I mean I didn't, but you should be thinking like, oh, they're gonna factor into this somehow. They're part of it. There's just enough other things to kind of hide it, because um, you have the teens, um, right? Which you find out that the the reason they were missing is because they got arrested because they stole some farmer's tractor and went joyriding. <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so that was a nice, like when you're walking through at the end, you Delilah's yes. like, "Oh, by oh, the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, those oh, teenagers are not going to be questioned for." <laughs> yeah, those teenagers, they're alive. So, uh, you—that's one good thing in this yeah. shitstorm of everything else happening. Yeah, there's enough going on with the teens. Um, when you're looking through the various boxes of stuff, you can find you find notes um, between other rangers that have written to each other. Um, there's enough other little things that you could think, oh, the Goodwins are just another part of the, here's a bunch of little things happening in the area. Right. And then those other things fade out and the Goodwins continue to get more and more importance in the story. Yep. So, yeah, uh, overall, I don't have a problem with the ending. I, I have a, 
you know, again, I was disappointed, but thematically, I think the ending is really, really good. It's all people, all Ned was doing uh, at the end was trying to, you know, stay hidden, run away might be too harsh, but um, everyone is trying to just kind of, everyone's either running away from something in the story or they're just trying to to deal with something that happened in their in their life. Yeah. And that's a so, very understandable emotion. Yeah, for sure. Of trying to run or hide from something instead of deal with it. Right. Ned knows that if he goes back into society, he's going to have to like really really deal with the fact that his his son is is dead and while he yeah. didn't directly do it, um, he is partially responsible for it. Yeah, in in one of the cassettes you get from him, he mentions like the thought of going back and then having to deal with the body and a burial. He's like, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, those cassettes were really good. I, I enjoyed listening yeah. to that. And, you know, hearing another voice um, talking to you as you're walking uh, is really good too. Yeah, it's a... It's only at the end and it's a sudden change. Yep. So any other uh, thoughts about Firewatch before we wrap this up? Uh, not particularly. Uh, thanks for having me on here. And I had been kind of wanting to replay it for a while. And this gave me the a good reason to jump in and do it. And I'm glad I did. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to go back and replay Gone Home as well. <laughs> because... I'm I'm in the mood for uh, a walking sim again, and I know I like that one. And again, uh, I think my wife would really like it, and she hasn't seen that one. Yeah, as we speak, um, I'm playing Oxenfree, which is kind of a walking sim um, in a way. Actually, pretty similar to Firewatch in that all you're doing is walking and choosing dialogue options. Um, as soon as I'm done with that, I think I'll give Gone Home another try I, like I said earlier, I had to quit playing because I was so scared. But since then, I've played a couple of like actual horror games, and I think I could probably handle it this time. So, I mean, you, we've been chatting, um, getting ready for this recording about these games, and you've brought up Gone Home um, and how much you love it. So I think I will give that another shot. Yeah, uh, if you do it and you want to do an episode on that, I am very down. Hell yeah, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I really thank you for uh, taking the time to talk about Firewatch. Um, this this uh, this story is a lot of fun to talk about. There's at you know, on one hand, it's a pretty simple story, and on the other hand, there's some very like deep and human things that it's it's exploring here. So it was a lot of fun talking about it with you, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun. All right. So everybody who's made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to support the show, uh, you can subscribe and leave a rating and review, help us fight the algorithm. And the best thing again is to ignore all of those people who say, don't recommend podcasts to me, ignore that and recommend that they listen to tales from the backlog. Again, my name's been Dave Jackson. And I have been Jake Anderson. And I will see you next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening.